Welcome to another episode of Old School Thoughts. Again, I would like to thank you for taking the time to support me and listen to my reflection of what it was like growing up in old school. Since my last recording, I've had some younger listeners to say, you know, Mr. Goodman, we're not going back there. I've had some of my more mature listeners to say, it's something we would never get those days back. And I was kind of left uh, perplexed about this whole project. Why am I talking about old school when it seems like the younger generation doesn't see themselves replaying any of these things that I'm talking about and that the more mature group has given up hope that we can return back back to some of those things. Now, I understand that a lot of this, this was never meant and the intent was never to go back to those days. But that doesn't necessarily mean that we can't replay some of those things. Along with my faith, I have several beliefs. But here are two that I would like to focus on during this episode. There is no new thing under the sun. And the other is, we are who we were when. We are a product of the time frame that we grew up in. It's embedded in us. Now, I was born into old school. When I was born, my mother was 39 and my father was 41. My father's mother was born around June of 1880. My grandmother. My mother's mother was born around 1896. My parents were raised by old school. I was brought into this world when my mother was 39 and my father was 41 and they were old school. So I have been an old school person all of my life. Now, when I reflect on my mother and father, and you all know I talk about family all the time, the great times I had uh, growing up, how my siblings and my parents circled around me to help mold the way I see life, the way I assess life, they've had a big impact on how I see the world. But when you're young, you think that all older people are old. That hasn't changed. But when I saw my mother and father, 
and I was a little boy, even as a teenager, I still saw them as this old group. But on the morning of my 41st birthday, I was out running. And only then did it hit me that while I was running that early in the morning, at the age of 41, on my birthday, that was the same age that my father suffered a stroke that left him paralyzed on his complete left side. Only then did it dawn on me that I was the same age he was. Then I thought about if you live long enough you will become your parents. Not by personality. Not by behavior. But if you live long enough to reach their age, you would most likely have an understanding of how they were thinking. Where they were during that period of their lives. So my mother was 39 and my father was 41. And it dawned on me, here it is, my wife and I were 41 and 40. And we are out walking and running and doing the things we are doing. And my mother made a commitment that she would not leave my father that she would stay there. She accepted a new role in her life, not only to be the mother of a house full of children, but she became a caregiver to the man she loved. And through this process, she had to take on additional responsibilities. And that main responsibility was to discipline her children. You're talking about three boys and three girls. Then as I got older, it became four boys and three girls. The girls were fine. It was those boys that she had to discipline. She was a short person. But she wasn't too short to fight us. If we felt that we were too big, if we felt that we were too grown, oh, the cliche that says, I brought you into this world, I'll take you out. Oh boy, that was about love. She was determined that she was going to keep us out of jail. She was determined that she was going to let us know that we were not going down that road and she would sacrifice everything she had to sacrifice. 
But this is what I got to see. As I stood back as the youngest child and to assess how my mother and father operated, they had a system. One of their systems was they would not allow the children to separate them. We would go to our mother and ask for something. And if she said yes or no, if it was a, an answer that we did not find satisfactory, we would go to the other parent and ask the same question. But they were so in sync that the other parent would say, what did your mother say? What did your father say? And that put you in a serious situation because you knew at that moment that if you asked both parents the same question to get what you wanted out of life, that was a price to pay. Because they made sure that we were not going to separate them. That was one thing that I saw. The other was, my mother took on the role, the primary role of disciplining us. Now, we try to measure today's actions or yesterday's actions on today's policies. And I'm not going to argue that. But I'm going to ask you as a listener to... If I do not find what my mother and father did to me to be wrong, then I'm going to ask that you do not find what my mother and father did to me to be wrong. Because I'm the one to measure whether or not it helped me or if it didn't. So I want to bring that up front because my mother did what she had to do to keep us safe. Now, my father never gave up his position. And what I mean by that, he never gave up the position to be father and dad. He taught us lessons in life. He continued to go out every day to make money. Even though he was paralyzed on his left side, he still drove his car. He had a little swivel handle on the steering wheel. And he would walk out to the car and he would drive to the neighborhood where he grew up. And he would sell cologne, razors, razor blades, all of these things to his friends. This guy was a door-to-door -door salesman before I even knew what entrepreneurship was all about. He would drive friends to different places and they would pay him for taking them somewhere and coming to pick them up. 
I remember him taking some of the friends down to the station to receive, uh, I guess you call it food, surplus food, welfare food, however you want to describe it. But that's when they used to get the large blocks of cheese, powdered eggs, Spam, Harmony Beans, you name it. Some of you might know what I'm talking about. But I remember sitting out in the hot car because we didn't have air conditioners in the car. And we would watch his friends go up there and receive their boxes of items. And then he would take them home. And they would thank him by saying, hold on just a minute. Here, I want you to take this home. A block of cheese. Spam. Whatever. But my dad took care of business. We never went hungry. We never went without food. He would even go down to the golf course where he once played golf. And he would go down there in the morning and when he gets, when he arrived there, he would get a go-kart. Or not a go-kart, but a golf cart. And he would have a cooler on the back of that, go, that golf cart. And the people would ask him, what do you want, Bill? And he would say, put me grape, cola, beer he would tell them all the things he wanted in that cooler and they would fill that cooler up for him and then he would have snacks peanut butter crackers whatever and he would drive on that golf course and his old friends would see him and they'd say what's up bill melachum good deek they had all the kind of names for him and i would be sitting on the passenger side with my dad and he would ask them what do you want and they'll say oh I just want this and that give me a beer hey give me one of those coats and I would get out of the, the golf cart and get it for them they would give him the money but he stayed active he continued to go to places where he was used to being around. He was around people that he once played golf with. He was around people that he once shuck and jived with. Now my mother, on the other hand, was very quiet, very disciplined. She stayed at home a lot. But when she was home, one thing she taught me she kept stereo equipment and audio and visual video equipment in the house. She purchased camcorders. She purchased film projectors. She would purchase the stereos, the consoles, the eight track players, she would purchase the, the music, the records, the albums. 
that told me that during that time frame, when she was 39 and 40, she loved music. She was into electronics, that kind of technology. And that's what I am into today. All of the things that she introduced me to, all of the things that she brought into the house, I use those things and some of the products I still use. Now, in a future episode, I will share some of the reels that my father recorded on his old reel-to-reel back in the 60s. I still have the the reel-to-reel recorder, and I still have the original tapes. But my mother purchased that reel-to-reel from my father. They taught me so much. They gave me something to really imitate. They showed me how you provide discipline with love. Now, my mother played real good games with you. If we did something... (laughs) that required some serious discipline oh she had her way of saying go to the room I would be in there later now that might be at 12 o'clock in the afternoon but she would go about her day doing whatever she wanted to do But when you went into that room at 12 o'clock, see, you had braced yourself for that whipping. I don't want to call it whipping because that's too much like slavery, right? But I want to call it whipping because when she got you, buddy, she got you. And so we could go into that room at 12 o'clock noon. And after about three or four hours, all of a sudden, we would call out of the room, Mama, Mama, would you come on in here and give me my whipping? And she'll say, no, that's okay. I would be in there when I get ready. And here we were begging for this thing so we could get it out of the way. You know, like, come and get it. Come and take me. Come and tighten me up. I'm ready for it. But, <laughs> but consistently... You can sit in that room until you finally fall asleep. And you would be out of the covers and you were so warm. But all of a sudden, you would feel a cool breeze. (laughs) And that's when she is removing the cover because she's about to tighten your tail up. Hey, look. I never received a whooping that I didn't deserve. And there is no fine line between disciplining your child with love and disciplining your child with abuse. There's no fine line. You, you know what abuse is. But I tell you, each time that my mother dealt with me and any one of us, 
She will always sit you down afterwards and explain why she did it, why you should not have done what you did. That was no grudge. You can go on about your day. But my father, see, my mother had to deal with the older boys. But there were two of us that were together, Sherman and me. When we did something bad and dad wanted to tighten us up, dad would have William or Billy, the, the two older boys in the house, two of the oldest boys in the house, and she'll say, he'll say, go get the." <laughs> and Sherman and I would just scat, boom, we'll run through the house, run out the front door, try to get away. And Billy or William would just run behind us, pace us down until we get got tired. And then they would bring us back to the house. And they would hold us up in front of Dad with our butt sticking out. And then he would hit us a few times. And that satisfied him. That he applied the discipline when it was time for him to step in. That satisfied him. My mother allowed him to do what he wanted to do. We felt that there was a difference between my mother disciplining us and my father disciplining us. And it meant it had a different impact on me. But what I'm trying to share during this episode is that when I reached the age of 41, I got a chance to assess where my parents were at 39 and 41, how they lived their lives before based on the pictures I have seen, They went to the club. They went out together. They enjoyed themselves. And then I got a chance to assess the the lives they decided to live as they adjusted to his paralysis. They adjusted to the roles that were divided and shared. And I've always told you that I have the greatest amount of respect for my parents and what they have done for me. And each time I talk about them, I always feel the same way. I think that they were better at this thing than a lot of us because they would not allow the children to divide them. They made sure that they were going to sacrifice everything to discipline you, to give you love, to make sure you graduate, to make sure you have a good job, to make sure that you have all the tools to have a successful future. And I, I just think that's a great legacy. 
I hope I did not bore you with this episode. And I hope that you continue to listen and share your thoughts with me because I do receive feedback. And I am still looking for that person to to sit down and give you their perspective as well. Until then, and until the next time, I would like to say again, thank you for your time and and thank you for your own reflections. Until the next time, be good.